and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Lynair Johnson, I am beside myself with excitement to be have you as my guest, but also because we're going to talk about LinkedIn and I just absolutely love that platform. So um, I've kind of jumped in a bit early, but why don't you tell everyone what you do? Well, I'm New Zealand's number one LinkedIn expert, Jules, and it's fabulous to be here. Apologies for the accent. Uh, <laughs> no. And uh, so I really work with uh, small businesses and business professionals who want to use the LinkedIn platform better, whether that's to find themselves a new career, a better job, uh, to bring in business leads, uh, professional branding, whatever it might happen to be, LinkedIn is the thing I love to talk about the most. <laughs> and have you been – so firstly, how are you number uh, New Zealand's number one LinkedIn expert? Is that something that – an award you've won or is that just – well, between because you know you are, um, it beats me. But anyway, no, <laughs> it is. It's not me saying this. Um, the Social Media Marketing Institute—that's an, an Australian organisation—ranked yeah. um, me number eleven out of twenty for Asia Pacific LinkedIn. Oh my god! And not quite the top ten, but never mind. Um, but that ranked me the uh, top uh, New Zealander. There were only two New Zealanders in that list, and I was the first one. And I tell you, Jules, it came as much as a surprise to me as it. <laughs> to anybody else. So but how I, wonderful. Oh, it was. I woke up this one, one morning because I never talked about myself as an expert. I just saw myself as a specialist. And all of a sudden, I woke up one morning and here somebody else was telling me I'm an expert. So I'm going to myself, okay, well, if somebody else says I'm an expert, I better step up. <laughs> um, <laughs> and become this person. Talk about motivation. Uh, and I better become this person that other people think I am. And so that's what the journey has been since then. All right. And it's so, fabulous. so talk to me about getting on LinkedIn in the first place. Why? How? When? All that kind of thing. Well, I joined LinkedIn way back in the days when it was a recruitment site. Yeah, it was uh, awful, so that was wasn't it? Terrible. <laughs> um, and like everybody, put my resume up there or my CV and promptly forgot about it, did nothing more about it. Until one day I woke up to the fact that they'd invented this publishing platform where you could put posts and articles and bits and pieces and being a writer, I thought I'd hit the, uh, I hit the jackpot. And so I started to use it to talk about writing. And as I got into that, I realized that there was a big knowledge gap that I needed to fill. So I got into um, a course, an Australian course, that really gave me a lot of background and understanding of the nuts and bolts of it. And that really gave me my enthusiasm for it as right. well. Because once you start to get a bit successful, with it, um, you start to learn more. But I'm a person who likes to uh, share my knowledge and I also like to learn. So the net result was when I was learning something, I was sharing it with my connections or my network. And that just kind of seemed to ripple out. And all of a sudden, as I say, one day I woke up and here I am, an expert. Oh, well, congratulations. (laughs) And I have to say, I got on it. Gosh, must have been, when did it start? Was it 2009-ish? No, seven. 2007, 2007. I so I reckon mm. I got on it around then. Mm. And do you remember it used to be just non-stop scrolls of people oh. advertising? 
themselves. Oh. It was unbearable. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of people. Well, I think there's a lot of people that still think it's like that because I was right. talking with some people recently and going, "Oh my god, I love LinkedIn," and they said, "Oh, really? I hate it. It's all ads, and you know, I don't understand it." And I was like, "Boy, you're missing a trick." Absolutely. But- and so part of my job is to educate people on how they can use it because yeah. you know, things are changing all the time, um, yes. and I think that people can get they they get overwhelmed by it, Jules. I think there's too much to learn for most people. And so because it changes, it's so big, it's so complex, people just go, I really can't do this and they walk away, which is such a shame because as you've said, it's just a goldmine of opportunities once you really get into it and you start making it work for you. Yeah, and I have to say I sort of made a decision. It was probably only about three years ago and I, and I thought, look, my customers are probably on LinkedIn. Why don't I just treat it like Facebook because I was a mad Facebooker, um, but I just, well, I'll just put all the businessy stuff up rather than the, you know, here are pictures of my kids. But other than that, and it just kind of grew that way. And now I just know so many amazing people. But anyway, this is about you, not me. So – Next question is, tell me about your career, Lynette. I want to know right the way back, if you can think back, um, to when you were, say, in high school. All right. When I was and, in high school, yeah. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah, I, like I, a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, I knew what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be a teacher like my mum and right. I didn't want to be a nurse, you know, a bit squeamish and all that. <laughs> and so the options back then were a little limited. But my mm-hmm. mother was a guidance counsellor at the school that I was at ah. and she had some connections, shall we say. Um, but glossing over that, I was able to get into journalism school. There was one, right. a, a, a polytechnic at that time that did a journalism diploma, which I really enjoyed because it sort of dovetailed with my ability to write. And so I learned to be a journalist and my first job was with Radio Hauraki in Auckland. Now, I don't know if you know much about Radio Hauraki, but it was, <laughs> no, New, Zealand's, <laughs> it was New Zealand's first private radio station. And so stop, remember- stop, stop, stop. Okay. First, I want to know, how did you get that job? And did you go to uni or did you go straight from school? No, all I had was this journalist diploma, which was all you could do at that time. There wasn't right. a, uh, any more of a, ter- a higher tertiary qualification for journalism um, yep. like there is now, a three or four year degree, but no, it was just a diploma. So no, look, I have no idea. 150 people applied for that job, Jules, and I got it. Wow. Somebody was on my side. That's also sure. says so, that you must be a brilliant writer. <laughs> well, I also might say that I've got a brilliant face for radios. <laughs> Stop that. That is rubbish. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so you start this job with this radio station. Now keep going. Okay, so I got a job as a cadet journalist in the newsroom. Yep. This is in the days where radio stations and newspapers actually still employed journalists. Yes. Uh, and I learned all kinds of wonderful things, weird and wonderful things, because Radio Harrick, as I say, was the first private radio station, and they hadn't been on shore long. So what I mean by that is that up until not long before I joined them, private radio was illegal in New Zealand. And so I would Right. Liking it to Radio Caroline in the UK, where it was also illegal there. So they broadcast from a ship outside the. Yes, um, that's right. right. There's a famous, great movie about it with, with Bill, Bill Nye. Nye. <laughs> One of my favourites. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was New Zealand's equivalent, was Radio Hauraki, and they were on board a ship for quite a long time before they were able to change the law. And so they were still in the infancy, if you like, on land when I first joined them as a journalist. And I was there for oh, several years and all of a sudden I was offered an opportunity to become
become an announcer. Um, and so I, but I was banished to mid dawn. So, um, but that means <laughs> that I could uh, legitimately call myself um, uh, Radio Haraki's first female announcer or DJ back in those oh, days. Good on you, So that was lots of fun. Remember, I was only about 18 or 19 at this stage. Oh, right. Too, so this is, yeah, very young. Yeah, young and impressionable. Then I um, uh, fell in love and went overseas. <laughs> Where did you go? Um, to Europe. Everybody in my era went to Europe. We did um, the UK and um, Europe thing, the old, big old. And what you, was, this, was this to go over and work or did you just um, go yes, for a holiday? I did stay there and work, but I worked in recruitment actually, weirdly, because it was a bit tough to get into radio. I hadn't had much experience, to be fair. I did do some work in Australia on the way um, at a radio station there. And when I came back after a couple of years of being overseas, I worked back in radio again for several years, back in the newsroom. So uh, I right. really quite, um, I quite enjoyed that, I have to say. And then I had another stint in radio um, in the following decade where I was um, a co-host on a breakfast show. Now, I don't know Ooh. if you know much about breakfast shows on radio, Jules, but you have to get up absurdly early. I, well, I do because I teach people about PR and I oh, always say, right. don't okay. bother calling the people who are doing the breakfast show anytime after about 11 because yes. they're going to be going home and yes, <laughs> getting absolutely. to bed early for the next no morning. No social life when, you are, um, when you're breakfast. doing that, that's for sure. So, um, And I quite enjoyed that. But that was in the days where you were, I was going to say seen and not heard, um, but it was the other way around. Really. <laughs> These days it's much more um, equitable. Male and female announcers both have a role back in there. Those days I think all I did was really there to do was to read the news, <laughs> tell people what the weather was going to be and laugh at the main host's jokes. Right. <laughs> well, hopefully it's good to know that times have changed. So what mm. happened next after that? Well, I moved into publishing after that and right. uh, was weirdly became the editor of a motoring publication. Now, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit odd, isn't it? And I was there for five years, did a lot of um, travel uh, because motoring journalists, you would not believe the way they get looked after. They get brand new cars to drive around and they get taken on press junkets overseas. So I went to, I was able to go to Korea, South Korea, and to um, and to Japan, among wow. other places, and it was just astonishing. So I really loved that. Uh, and I, I, did I that actually always me. thought that it was the travel and the food and wine journalists well, that had it lucky. Hadn't thought about the cars. <laughs> well, they take you to, to some fabulous restaurants. We went to stay in Millbrook, which was at that time one of New Zealand's top um, resorts in Queenstown, right. and various other places like that that you wouldn't normally be able to. Avoid for Jules. So yes, you were right. wined and dined pretty royally, I have to say. So there was that was a lot of fun and I really did enjoy that. But like anything, you go, five years had enough of this time for a prime time for change and a move on. So yeah. Right. Mm. Okay, so roughly at this stage, how old are you and what was oh, the next thing? I was, um, by this stage, because there'd been a whole load of Mid-30s. other things in between. Yes, probably. Yes, maybe a little later in the 30s than that. And I yeah. went to, and, and when I left that, I went to work for uh, Auckland City Council. So that's New Zealand's largest territorial authority, territorial okay. local authority. Like you have councils, I think, um, in your states. Yes. So this is um, New Zealand's biggest one. And I uh, started working there as their, in their community 
communications um, department, which I really enjoyed because um, despite the um, fact it was a really big organization, and I don't thrive in big organizations, I'm a small business person, Yeah, uh, I really um, enjoyed that because I got to get out and meet people doing really interesting things on behalf of the council and right. to write about really interesting stories about what people were up to out, out there in the community. So that was really quite fascinating. Uh, well, it too. sounds like the council might have been quite well run as well because if you have a great boss or great people around you, mm-hmm. then it really probably doesn't matter quite as much that, that the organisation is really big. I mean, I worked for one called Peter Isaacson Publications when I was in my 20s, and there were about 150 people, which was a huge company for me. But he, he made it like a family. Like, we still catch up now. Yeah. So, it just depends, yeah. I, I guess, on the boss. Then I went to work for Murdoch, and he wasn't quite as much fun to work uh, for. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine that. And yes, my boss was amazing, and I loved her to bits. It was her boss. Right. I didn't quite enjoy so much. So, <laughs> right, I'll okay. So, what came next? Um, then I worked um, for um, a charity for a bit, and at that point, I started to set up my own business, Word Wizard, where right. I was doing copywriting for people. And of course, in those days, so we're talking like late last century. Uh, yeah. There was <laughs> don't say it like that. My <laughs> God, that sounds awful. <laughs> does, doesn't it? Um, there, the in- internet was in its infancy. It would take yeah. a year in New Zealand and we were only just starting to use it. And so the kind of copywriting that I was doing at that stage was very different from the sort of writing that I'm doing now. Um, and a lot of the pla- – everything was um, printed, as you can yes. imagine. So there was nothing that was um, online or on the internet. So that was a kind of fascinating time to be able to be involved in that industry where things started to change and technology started to make a big difference in terms of how we did our jobs. and. Yeah. The- Access that we had to information. You know, I remember encyclopedias. Yes, I still have some downstairs. <laughs> well, I bet you don't consult those terribly often. So well, I try and encourage my kids to, but they're not interested at oh, all. They just ask why. them, they Google. Yeah, well, precisely. And don't we all do that now? Yes, and, you know, yes. that's only, what, 20-odd years later um, you know, ago. So really things have changed. It's bizarre. I mean, I remember when faxes were high technology and the oh, idea that someone could write – and then send you something so that you could see it straight away it was beyond, you know, it was so exciting. It was, but I learned to type on a manual typewriter. That's how old I am. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what that is, but well, I'm guessing. See, there you go. What, what's the old one with the return carriage and, yeah, you know, that's, the good that's old the fashioned ones type. Ones are, you know, that you make the whole, that big clackety-clack noise. So, yeah, really. Love that. Amazing. Okay. Mm. So you started your own business. What, yes. what what prompted you to start your own business? Too many requests from people to ask me to work for them, and I right. would be and different from different organisations. I did a lot of work for not for profits, which I really yeah. quite enjoyed. And for a long time, I worked for Ambury Park Riding Centre, which was a riding for the disabled centre in Auckland, or the biggest one in New Zealand. And right. so Gorgeous. I would um, use my uh, writing skills to help them with their fundraising. And so that uh-huh. was good, but that was a part time um, job. And then so I was doing other bits and pieces for various uh, people too until I was offered uh, some editorships uh, from a company that um, I had been associated with and so all of a sudden um, I moved from, don't forget that I used to um, be the editor of a magazine or publication about cars from there I moved into uh, two to uh, to editorships of two magazines which are equally bizarre, one of which (laughs) was about electrical and automation industry topics right and the other was beauty 
Now, you couldn't get two more um, diverse <laughs> topics. Um, and not only that, not exactly a great fit for me, but either. But anyway, I enjoyed working with those um, for a couple of years. And my journalistic background meant that I can easily turn my hand to writing about lots of different topics. Yes, because when you're topic. a journalist, you're allowed to ask anybody any silly questions you like. Nobody expects you to know anything. And so <laughs> that made things a little bit easier. Although when you're actually editing a magazine, it's kind of a little bit different. But anyway. I enjoyed doing that and um, eventually of course that come, came to an end and the copywriting um, took over particularly about the time that the internet was coming on board and there were websites to write and lots more online material and case studies and different kinds of content marketing coming to the fore and that was really when I uh, discovered LinkedIn and became um, a bit of a fan it So what got you onto good. LinkedIn in the first place? Just oh, that it was a was, new platform when yes, you were snooping and it was around? a CV place and you know, people thought that it would help them get jobs I don't think it right. helped me get a job. Uh, but that was what you did, you know. It's a bit like everybody had a Facebook page at one stage until they decided to and make you pay for it. <laughs> and spent 10 years yeah. growing your audience. Yeah, and then all of a sudden out the window. Facebook the just went, yeah, yeah, no, I don't think we're going to let you do that anymore. Precisely. So um, so then, and, and LinkedIn kind of uh, fitted with me because it was professional. Uh, yeah. In a sense, it was business oriented. It, I was able to use my writing skills in terms of uh, producing content. Uh, and I was able, to be able to help people with their profiles through what I'd learned and my own experience. And all of a sudden, as I say, one morning, Jules, I woke up and somebody had called me an expert. <laughs> and what happened on the back of that? I'm really interested. So did you <laughs> promote yourself? Did you actually say, well, hey? Um, yes, I did. Well, why well done. You? When I was young, I had this brief fleeting um, kind of association with fame at a real low level, right? So minor celebrity. And then I kind of faded into obscurity. And now here I am with a second opportunity in my life to be able to do something that I love that helps other people. And if along the way people get to know my name, which is not exactly a usual name, then <laughs> I'm really happy with that. Yeah, and, you know, right. The whole thing just comes together. And so I'm not trying to say that this happened overnight because with LinkedIn, nothing happens overnight. It no, takes that's, I think time. that's another thing people need to realise, that it just takes time to build up your profile. And one of the big things that I love talking to people about is getting recommendations because people don't think about it. And I actually went back and looked at mine and I've got them going back to 2008. And there is nothing that shows that you are consistently loved or hated or whatever or admired than seeing 10 years worth of people recommending things. I absolutely agree. Now, let me tell you, you, if I may divert yes, off and tell you about a new uh, aspect of LinkedIn that a lot of people don't yet know about, which is related to recommendations, and it's okay. called reviews. And you know how on Facebook you are able to get a one to five star review for your business or for whatever it is you might be doing? Yes. You can now do that on LinkedIn. Now, this sits within the providing services section of your introductory card, which is the top section of yeah. your LinkedIn profile. So when you go into providing services, you can see that there's an option at the bottom. They like to bury these things at the bottom to ask clients to review you. So you invite up to 20 people 
to yep. send you a one-star, five-star review and then 500 characters of text. And now how does that differ from a recommendation? Well, what it's does at the top of your profile for a start. That's <laughs> right. the main thing. Um, so we all need to go and have a look at your profile now to see we, what it you looks do. like. Absolutely. And please do, and while you're there, connect with me or yeah, follow me. I'd love to, um, love to do that. Uh, so it's right at the top of your profile where recommendations sit right at the bottom. And it's harder <laughs> right. to find, but it's part of LinkedIn. LinkedIn's move towards what they call marketplace because LinkedIn has got this big, hairy, audacious goal to yep. be the Amazon of the B2B world, right? So instead right. of buying um, goods and services off Amazon, we'll buy services and sell services within LinkedIn. Oh. Remember that Facebook marketplace, that kind of thing. So they're really moving in that direction. And this reviews, which is still being rolled out, so not everybody has it, uh, will be something that is instrumental in helping people to be seen by other people in that Oh, what a handy tip there. Oh, I it? love that and one. And it also has its own URL. Jules. So that means you can copy the URL and you can send it to people who say, well, how do I know you're any good at what you do? Here you go, sunshine, read these. And you can up to to 20 of these lovely reviews um, because, of course, you want to make sure that everybody's going to give you a five-star review because you invite them. I was going to say, can you hide them if they're bad? Well, you just don't invite the people. No, you can't. And with a recommendation, you get the option to show it on your profile or not. But with a review, you don't. That is the danger. At the moment, um, only uh, it's only by invite. Um, Whereas, of course, with Facebook, anybody can put a review up, good, bad, or ugly, right? Um, And so that may come, but I hope not, because I think that that has a power to be very destructive. Well, well, because we, uh, we we've seen it on the other platforms, haven't we? Yeah. People who haven't done anything wrong, but a customer has taken something the wrong way or cracked the shits for for no reason and just ruining yeah. your yeah. reputation online. Absolutely, and we don't. Um, not all our interactions with clients go well. We all know that. You win some and you lose some. You just don't want those ones that you lose to be no. on your profile, do you? And the other thing I think for people to realize is how good the SEO is on LinkedIn. If you ever Google someone's name, it's LinkedIn that always comes up first. Absolutely right. And people don't realize that, as you say, but if they are going to go and visit your LinkedIn profile, you want to make sure that it's a damn good one. That's right. That's well, right. If they're Absolutely. going to something that's substandard, doesn't tell people what you do, has no profile image, no banner image, and no video, no 30-second video to welcome people, then people are just going to go, oh, there's nothing here for me to see, and they're going to move on. Now, the video you're talking about, is that the one that it sits where your photo normally yes. is? Yes. Yes. Well, it's just behind your photo. So when someone visits your profile, the first three seconds of that play on mute, and then they tap your photo, and then that opens the video up and a new window and they can see the uh, the full thing up to 30 seconds for that one Jules right yeah love it oh my god you're so fabulous when it comes to all the LinkedIn stuff okay <laughs> now the next question that I like to ask is because this is called she's the boss yes and it's all about women in business and yes. I personally am on a mission to try and shine a spotlight on a lot of women because I just don't think we see enough of them so one of the questions I like to ask is have there been some women in your career that have helped you that you want to name and tell us how they helped you because oh, often right. we don't get the chance to kind of sing their praise 
phrases and it might be an old boss or yeah, old client or yeah. whatever. Well, um, I'd like to, I think that it might be the most interesting to talk about a boss that I had with, who, when I was working as editor of those magazines I was talking about, yeah. um, went through a gender change transition. And oh, that wow. was really interesting um, because- How long ago it, is this, like 20 um, years ago? Um, oh, no, less than that. That would be um, around about 2007, five, six, okay. like that. Yep. So quite early this century. Um, yeah. But not, it wasn't a common thing. It's not, it wasn't common as it is now. No. Uh, and it, and he, he, she, they <laughs> were working in, in publishing, owned this publishing company. And, of course, it was quite male-dominated. Mm-hmm. The magazines that they had, the beauty magazine was the only one that was really fo- uh, female-focused. All yeah. the other magazines in the stable were very much um, more um, male-oriented. And so that was a really interesting time because of course some people uh, responded really well to that and and yeah. um, the he was very open about what he was going through and what was going to be happening when he became a she and so that how was, wonderful it was fascinating to see how the staff dealt with that who coped with it who didn't uh, and what the what the general response was now it's interesting to note that that business in publishing which as we both know is a very difficult business um, yeah. and a very difficult client is still thriving. Oh, good on her. That's fantastic. So was she very supportive of you or were you very supportive of her on that journey? Um, I certainly supported her on that journey. I'm not quite certain. We weren't – close in the sense that she did anything more uh, in terms of confiding with me and me than she did with anybody else right, who was on her right. team. Uh, but I would like to think that I was probably more accepting than a lot of people about the, the situation because oh, I would say that that was um, a difficult uh, a difficult time. And it showed a great deal of courage. She was, I was well going known, to say. Well yeah. known in, in the industry um, and it was very difficult for her and I think a lot of awful things were probably said. But she withered it all, she, and, and she, look at her, and look at her now, still going. Exactly. And and the other thing is, didn't you say you had a boss that you absolutely loved mm. at one of the organisations? Tell me about her. Oh, she was amazing. Um, I, what I liked about her was that she had the kind of like a hands-off approach. She wasn't a micromanager, unlike yep. her boss. Um, and so once she had sort of said, "Okay, this is what we need to do today," off you go and do it. And you know, I, she was younger than me, not by a lot, but younger than me, uh, and she. And she was just had this lovely, inclusive manner. And you know how some bosses can be really sort of autocratic? She yes. wasn't like that at all. She was just inclusive, made everybody feel welcome. Everybody liked her. She did a great job. She ran a tight ship, which is what you would expect. She ran a good team. And, uh, she, yeah, I really was disappointed to have to leave that job. But, you know, you know, sometimes you just can't stay in those situations. Now, do you want to tell us her name just in oh. case anybody – Listening no. knows her. No, I don't. No, no, I don't think it would be appropriate really to talk okay. about anything more than uh, than that. Okay, fantastic. But I'm glad to hear no. that you've had women <laughs> supporting you on your journey. Yeah, now, absolutely. Now, um, my next question is to talk about some pivotal moments with running your business. But you're more than welcome to talk about LinkedIn and pivotal moments, mainly sort of successes, challenges, and what you've learned from them. That's the sort of angle of this question. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that the pivot that I made from 
being a copywriter and running a copywriting business to becoming a LinkedIn expert was yeah. probably the biggest change that I have made in a very long time. Okay. And so, and because I love LinkedIn so much and I really enjoy the platform, I have somehow been able to help a lot of people to be able to be, I've contributed to their success. Let me just put it like that. So right. if other people um, are doing well and they really like what I'm telling them and they get results from it, that's what motivates me, Jules. I, you right. know, I, 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 I'd like to have enough money to pay the bills, but I am not motivated by money dropping into my bank account. I am motivated by getting messages from people that say, Lanier, you the tip that you helped me about getting invites or reviews on my um, on my providing it's services my life. has changed my life. And that's the kind of thing that I really uh, love to hear because I do believe that LinkedIn has the ability to do that if you're doing all the right things on LinkedIn, it really can change your business and it can change right. your whole life. And now I am um, on the international stage uh, because I know, um, I'm a, thanks to my book really, I know a lot of other LinkedIn experts that I would call really, you know, <laughs> the, the celebrities, the real celebrities of LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, and they know who I am and we have conversations and get on Zoom calls. And I just love that kind of ability to learn from people who are better than myself because I always see this as a learning curve. So the pivot yep. for me was to move away from copywriting, although I do still do some, uh, and move into LinkedIn because I saw the opportunities there and, and then, I'm so and strong on that. Were there any moments where you thought, oh, my God, what have I done? Like you've, oh, you did a post or you've done a, something and thought, oh, my God, how can I suck it back and say that I didn't do it? Yeah. And if so, oh. what have you learned from that? I've learned to be very careful what you put on LinkedIn. I mean, right. And I made a, um, a dreadful mistake really early on in the piece where um, I thought that I was being really um, diplomatic about a message that I was uh, putting across in my, um, in my post, but it was taken a lot of people took it the wrong way and I could really see how they could think that that was right. So they felt that I was trolling. Then that wasn't my intention. My intention was to spark a debate. Well, if you're going to spark a debate by being controversial, you better be um, Be ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And I I simply wasn't, Jules, and I really wasn't prepared to, um, because I was, this was a fledgling stage of my LinkedIn career. So I just took the post down um, and apologized to the person concerned um, and learned a really tough lesson from that because even though posts come and go quite quickly, you and I both know that once something's on the internet, it never ever goes away. No, no, it never does. And you do have to be very, very careful. Mm -hmm. And you need to work out what your values are and what you do want to stand for before Mm -hmm. you start uh, posting it in a public way. Because if something goes off on LinkedIn, it just goes off. What's the big, oh, here we go. Here's a great question. What's the biggest amount of views you've had on posts or what do you regularly get? I don't know. Okay, that's two different questions. Yeah, okay. The high, okay, the highest number I've ever had was 96,000 views. Oh, wow. And that was at the beginning of this year. And This um, year? This year. And um, uh, generally, it depends. I would, um, if I, it, normally, averages three to 4,000, three to 5,000. The post is doing quite well if it does six to 8,000. 
thousand. I had a post last week that was picked up by LinkedIn News, uh, and that got uh, ten thousand views. So that's. Um, but you know, I just want to point out, Jules, that views are not really a great metric. They're a vanity metric, right? What you I know, really but I love them for the vanity know. because it goes so high. I had one go to about nine thousand a couple of weeks ago, and well, I was like beside myself, obsessed <laughs> with having a look and seeing what the numbers were that day. <laughs> the problem with views, though, is that it doesn't re- uh, record how many people have actually seen your post. No, All it's just it how many been, people had scrolled past it. Yeah, how many news feeds it's been put into. What you really want to measure is your engagement. So that's the number of comments that you get on and your reactions. post. Yeah, not so much reactions. It's more the comments because right. that's when people, that's what really counts in terms of a post getting wider views. Um, and that's right. when you get that organic reach is when people engage with your post. And the trick to that one is getting that to happen in the first few hours after your post goes up. Right. And then how does LinkedIn Australia choose things? Because they they took one of my posts and shared it the other day. I, I didn't idea. feel like it did very much when they shared it, but it was um, doing a lot when I did. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's about how I felt too. But the interesting thing was I couldn't find the post, um, or but a number of people told me about it, and that was the yeah, only right. way I found it. Um, but I never saw it myself. So um, so um, 10,000 views, you know, that's not huge. I mean, it's okay, but, but it's not great. Uh, so I was interested. Interested um, in that, and the, and, the, and it was the inter- <laughs> another interesting thing was it's completely it was completely outside the normal things I write about. It wasn't about LinkedIn. It was right. I wrote it in the morning after lockdown was declared in New Zealand, and right. so I was doing a roundup for my international audience about what was happening here, and that was a, that was I think because right. it was more montage that was picked up. And mine was on the back of, I don't know whether you saw the women, it was sort of earlier this year where women started posting up um, images that say, I'm a female founder, and they'd crossed out female, and they were saying, I don't think it, I think it's belittling to have my gender as part of my title, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to jump right in, which normally I am terrified of. And I wrote this article about why everyone should be proud of being a female founder and make themselves visible for the younger generation. And sure enough, as soon as I did it, you know, well, as soon as LinkedIn shared it, a lot of women came out saying, I totally disagree. This is ridiculous. But on my feed, they were all going, yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. So, so that's not a terribly, de- um, that's not an awful kind of debate. That's a really good debate, right? It is, Because yeah. everybody gets a chance to have a view on that. Um, and it, and you'd like to hope that nobody's taking it personally or making personal remarks because one of the things I like about LinkedIn is that it's a relatively benign environment. It is. We don't get those trolling that they get on other platforms. That's exactly right. So I think a debate about something like that is perfectly acceptable. And not only that, we're all talking about gender at the moment. We've got these pronouns, all of that kind of thing. So I think that was perfectly acceptable. And whether people say take one side or the other doesn't matter. The point was, Jules, they were debating it. Yes, that's right. Exactly goes back to your earlier point of getting people talking about it. (laughs) Okay. Now, uh, my next question is about juggling work and life because Mm -hmm. Only the reason why I ask this question is there are so many 
successful women that I've spoken to who have burnt out. Like it, it has blown my mind how many women have pushed themselves to the extent that their body is broken down. Mm-hmm. And so I just like to ask, how do you juggle it? Are you switching off at night? Are you switching off on weekends? What's the, how does the juggle work in Linair's household? Okay, well, uh, two things. First of all, I'm very fortunate to have an extremely supportive husband. Yep. So I don't do any cooking. Um, oh. I, I, don't, I don't do much housework either. He handles all of that. And so I I'm very fortunate. I can I can work, and when I'm not working, Jules, I you garden. No, I garden. Well, I oh, you garden? Well. Yes, gardening is my other passion, and right. so I enjoy getting outside in the fresh air and pulling weeds and hacking things off and planting. I love propagation, and so that's the other thing that I really enjoy doing. In the last over the last three years, I've built a garden from scratch, which has been a lot of fun and a lot of hard work. So that's how I relax, and I listen to I read audio books. Can you read an audio book? Listen yep. to audio books, uh, and I listen to podcasts a lot as well. So that really, I think, kind of takes me away from yes, working. Well, I do tend to listen to podcasts about LinkedIn a fair bit. So. <laughs> You need to start one, Linnea, clearly. Yeah, I, did. I thought about that ages ago before um, it became a really big thing and then I decided that there's only one of me and I really have to focus on um, what I want to do. What so my doing. book was the first one. I'm in the process of writing another book with, um, in conjunction with a colleague of mine about LinkedIn company pages, which we hope will be out in October. And oh, the other good. thing I've done this year is I've launched a LinkedIn membership site, uh, which is all about helping more people to be able to learn how to use LinkedIn better for themselves because right. I'm aware that why my posts might get really good views not everybody sees my content yep. and I want to be able I wanted to find a low cost way for people to be able to go well how do I find out how to put my profile together how do I find out the basics of posting yep. how do I find out what's the best way to connect with people and build my network and so I've collated a whole load of information all in one place um, in this membership site and we've just got that up in the last few weeks and I'm really pleased with it because it's just going to help so many people once they understand how they can they can learn at their own pace, Jules. You know, some people learn yeah, well with reading. I think, yeah. Video, all kinds, audio, that kind of thing. So um, I put my podcast episodes in there, so you'll get to feature on my membership site with your permission too. That's yes. the kind of thing I want people to be able to um, to have access to all in one place. Otherwise, they go, well, where the hell do I find anything yeah, about this? Yeah, no, woman? absolutely. Website, LinkedIn, you just don't. Yes, it's too fragmented, so it brings it all together. Now, Linnea, I skipped at the beginning. I should have said to you, what do you mean you're a LinkedIn expert? Talk about being an author. So tell everyone the name of your book and the book. Oh. that's coming out. Okay. Well, the name of my book is Linkability, Four Powerful Strategies to Maximize Your LinkedIn Success. A hell of a mouthful. So I just <laughs> call it Linkability. Yeah. Um, and the new book is going to be called Business Gold uh, because we believe, so my co-author is Michelle Raymond, who's yeah. um, from Sydney, and she and I, she's a company pages expert. Now, oh, I work okay. with company pages, but she's the expert. And there's a big number of people out there who don't see the value in com- of company no. pages, but we do. And right. we think that on the back of LinkedIn moving into to this marketplace format that we think they're going to be rolling out very soon, that company pages are going to be pivotal. So what we're doing is putting this book together that talks about why we believe that comp- you should be paying attention to company pages, how it can help you in your business and how to go about it. Because right. it's quite, company pages are very different 
from personal profiles. They look different. They behave differently. There's loads of different kinds of features. One has one. Oh, Linnea, I might have to see if you want to come and tell the She's the Boss Girls about that when that comes out. I would be delighted to because I think that's that's a big opportunity, Jules. It's quite different from just working on your personal profile. Yeah, because at the moment, really, my my company pages are there just so I can tag something and then a logo comes up really. And and, And I often go into people's company pages and there's nothing there. You know, exactly. I, literally they're using it like I am because yes. we don't know how. So that is going to be amazing. Oh, I can't it wait for that book to come out. It is going to be amazing. So that's kind of like where we were, you know, years ago with LinkedIn putting our resumes up, right? So that's where we think company pages are going to, how they're going to develop in that same kind of way. So yeah, right. we're, we're really excited about that because we're, we're, we're a bit, we're outliers on this, right? Most yeah. of the LinkedIn community be- believes that they're still a waste of time, but we don't. And, yeah. and from my own, I've got a linkability company, page and we are getting really good results on that we get higher views on those posts than we do on my profile and my profile is something like about i don't know coming up 12,000 followers and our linkability page has got about 1,250 I think followers so that's kind of that's really different so for the page to be getting much higher view count on the post than my personal Yeah that is very interesting so you think that maybe LinkedIn is sort of pushing it out further because they want pages to be more visible. Oh I'm going to give that a try I know that I set up a She's the Boss page probably eight months ago and it's got about 100 people on it, and I've really done nothing. I probably haven't done any posts at all, really, other than tagging. So you want to invite people to connect to follow your page as well. Yes, I think I did that at the beginning and then yeah, didn't really think about it. So. No, and that's, that's, well, that raises another question, really, Jules. No, no, you're the one who's asking the questions. But how <laughs> no, 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 this is a conversation. Question, how much time would you normally want to would expect to spend on LinkedIn? Now, this is my business, right? So I spend a lot of time on it, and how much time I spend is not representative of what most people spend. I don't know. I reckon I'd be a bit more like you. I think I'm probably on it a couple of hours a day. Well, I think that that's pretty generous. Most people don't have that amount of time. No, I know. And only that, and I hate scheduling things, so I do everything organically, which takes a lot longer, but it makes me feel like it's more real. Absolutely, and I think that has a karmic factor about it, on top of which then you're right there if somebody was um, uh, engages with your post. If you yeah. use a scheduler, you're going to go away and do something else. You forget you it's will, gone out. Absolutely, you'll forget to look, and all of a sudden the window for engaging on those comments is gone, and if you've got people in you who are second-degree connections who have co- made the effort to comment and you haven't replied, they're just going to go, well, she doesn't care, don't know why I bothered. Yeah, yeah, I always like to reply for everything. Okay, look, we're going have to wrap this up in a minute and I could actually talk about you with you for about three hours more but one more question for you uh, well two more questions for you Uh, actually three more questions the first one is how does anyone join your membership program Oh, now I'm hoping that you'll be able to put the link into my into the uh, description of this. But I'll I just, will. I'll tell you anyway. It's wordwizard.co.nz forward slash membership. wordwizard.co.nz forward slash membership and that's got all the details on it on that landing page how much it costs what you're going to get all those kind of things fantastic and if they want to buy the book can they buy them from a website or do they buy online all all online um sites and they could even buy an audio copy now you know well funnily enough i wonder who produced that for you i (laughs) wonder people who don't know might not understand that jill's partner husband beloved um is an audio book producer and he did a 
fabulous job of mine, and he's a lovely human being too. Uh, so an audio book, and you can get the digital version too on uh, at all online uh, bookstores. Awesome. Okay, now here comes the question. It's a curly one. You won't be expecting Ooh. it. Is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you're up for sharing? <laughs> a quirky <laughs> fact about me that people don't know about. Um, that I presume this has got to be something that's not terribly embarrassing. It could be – well, if you want to make it embarrassing, no, go for it. I I've heard everything from I've got no belly button to I used to be a, an Olympic synchronized swimming person. And right. I was like, what? Um, none of <laughs> no those. No pressure, though. No, no, none of those actually apply. I'm, I'm not quite sure whether this is terribly quirky, but I've latterly become a very big fan of botanical gin. Oh, yes, I'm yes. with you on that one. All right. So I've only ever drunk ordinary, well, bog standard gin anyway. Um, but very recently I was given a gift box of all these beautiful botanical gins made here in New Zealand. Now, I didn't know these existed. And there are some amazing flavors, including right. seaweed. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to feel about that one. But anyway. I um, bet it's delicious. I bet it'll be much better than you think it would. Well, you'd well, like look, to we're going to have to. <laughs> so, brilliant. Okay. And my very last question is about iPhone apps or phone apps because I'm obsessed with mine. You might not be, but I ask the question of everyone. Are there apps on your phone that you use for business outside of LinkedIn and social and um, email and banking? But are there – so, for instance, I have one that I love called JotNot that is – turns your phone into a scanner. So have oh, you got any clever things like that that yes, you use? Yes, I use Trello. That's really helpful. Oh, yeah, brilliant. And there's something called that I use for voice notes, which I think might be called something like Owl. Um, no, that can't possibly be right. Do you know, uh, Not Otter. 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 Oh, Otter that translates it into text for yes, you. Yes, I brilliant. love that one too. I think that's really easy to use and that gives me a um, written version of what I've been nattering on about. Yeah, I agree. Well, Linair, what can I say? One last question. So, Well, not one last question. If anyone wants to get hold of you, I'm assuming the best way is via LinkedIn. Oh, you If do they're right. not on LinkedIn, God forbid, what would be another way to get hold um, of you? But you could Google me. You could Google me. Website? I'm, yeah, very easy to find. Have you got a LinairJohnson.com website? No, I haven't. I just have a wordwizard.co.nz. Wordwizard.co.nz. Yeah, that's all I need. I've had that right. for a long time. So thank you so much for the opportunity to chat today, Jules. I've really enjoyed it. I knew I would. So have I. So thank you very, very much. And I hope there's a whole lot of tips out there and we'll convert a few more people over to LinkedIn. <laughs> and when you do your company pages thing, please, I would love to have you talk in the She's the Boss Facebook group and we'll have a little conversation and see if we can get a few more people to give it a go. Sounds fabulous. Love to. And thanks again, Jules. Pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.